1: It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided our world has become? We desperately need stories of peace and healing. We find the bridge builders across the globe who are stepping into the divides of culture and bringing understanding, compassion, and reconciliation. And now, here's your hosts, Jonathan Sanborn and Lisa Jernigan.
2: Well, welcome to Counterculture Radio. It's a wonderful day to have a radio show. It it is. <laughs> are there bad days? No, it's no. <laughs> only good days. So, hey, I'm Lisa Jernigan.
1: I'm Jonathan Sanborn,
2: and we're here to have yep. a great time.
1: We are. I was going to go into
2: that Saturday Night Live. We're here to, and that could be dating, that could you know dating yeah. us or whatever. So anyway, yeah. we're here to have a great okay. time.
1: Well, and I'll just I'm going to complete this the, the dated reference. Okay. I went in college. My first, like. Halloween that I went, we went up to UC Santa Barbara. I was in Los, I grew up in Los Angeles. We went, me and my buddy went as Hans and Franz. You did, we did all pumped out, and we walked along the like the street where all the students were on. It was like a hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of people, and we were the hero. No one would know, but that night I was a hero because all we did, we we stayed in character and we insulted everybody and how weak and flabby they are. That, that would be so fun. It was so fun. I don't. I've never had more fun just walking around insulting people, pointing out problems with their bodies.
2: I, I don't know what to think about that. I, mean, I don't
1: right? know. <laughs> I, and yes, I have issues.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about those but, on the show.
1: Okay, but but we will talk about yours because I'm excited. Okay, go. Intro, and then I'm going to tell you why I'm going to say that.
2: Okay. Well, I'm super excited about our guest today. Why? Well, because I kind of know him for you know a little bit. We share the same birthday. Really? Yes. Always had to share my birthday with him until I got to be an adult, and then I kind of reclaimed it and go, now it's my birthday too. <laughs> so as you can guess, I'm talking about my son, Jeremy Jernigan, who I am. Just, Hi, Jeremy. If this is seriously super fun. And Mm -hmm. super honored to have my son sitting next to me and doing this. And I hope I'm not totally embarrassing him. He's not going to walk away mortified, like, I can't believe my mom. But I just, he is somebody, seriously, I learned from all the time. Really? And I got to tell you, like him growing up and even to this day, no one makes me laugh. I like that giggle laugh. More than Jeremy. Oh, I mean, we awesome. will just get in that thing and just, we'll be crying. like We're tears streaming down our face. And <laughs> it's just nice. it's just so fun to have because it's like, really, he's one of my best friends. So it's just really that's fun awesome. to be able to say that, Aww. right? I know. I mean, right? after,
3: after a welcome like that, I have to be nice. <laughs> no, no, we'll get, we'll get past that. Because okay, that was, you have that Jonathan. was touching. You know, yeah. Was oh, it was very
1: touching. Oh, wow. And
2: I mean what? it. Son's it's Son's best fun. friend.
1: Makes you laugh. Right. Makes you think.
2: Right. Stole okay. my birthday. Yeah. Right. But that's okay. It was the best birthday present I ever had. So there we go. That's yeah, really cool. Right?
3: I mean, come on. Yeah, come on now. Come on. I made you a mom. <laughs> you did <make laughs> me a right. mom. You did. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome.
2: Thank you. You're thank welcome. Thank you. Some days I didn't want to thank you, but <laughs> no, yes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I was the easy one, remember? Uh-huh. You were. Yeah.
2: You were. Yeah. But um, I'm super excited about today because Jeremy- um. Gosh, where do I begin and where do I end, right? Because I could give this long introduction, but he spent two decades in full-time ministry. Really? Yeah. And then just recently— Where'd that come from? Well, I don't know. It could be kind of in the family, okay. in the genes a little bit. <laughs> but you know what I always loved about him? He was his own person. Okay. He And, you know, we always tried to raise our kids, um, you know, being a second generation in ministry, Um we didn't want them to have that label like you have to behave, you have to do this because of who your father is. Um, we didn't want them to resent ministry or the church. And so we just we tried to let them be them as much as possible. And I hope it worked. I mean, I'm pretty proud of them. But I haven't them, been
3: totally messed up yet. Not totally. <laughs> so. right. We always told
2: them they're going to have issues yeah. Yeah. and that when you do have your For issues sure. and when you go talk to somebody – Oh, wow. That's what, that's what Callie would say. I mean, the therapy is like, oh, well.
3: expensive, but it's doable. <laughs> it, it
0: is.
1: <laughs> Dad, Bill came in for the therapy. Here, Pony here up. Here it is. <laughs> Send it on over. Here, Mom and Dad. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well,
2: um, also, there's so many things I want to talk to him about because he's also an author. He's had two books, Redeeming Pleasure and Crowdsourcing the Message. Okay. Um, he has a podcast. Um, the Forest and the Trees, which we're going to talk about in a little bit because I'm really excited about that. But one of the things he started doing, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about his journey because I think a lot of people are on a journey kind of similar where we're all trying to discover, who am I now? And that's a question. That, right. Like, and especially after the past couple of years, like, who am I now? And it's been really fun to watch him just emerge as his own person and just discover things in life. And uh, so he recently founded a thing called Communion Wine Co. Okay. Where it's really unique and it's really fun to watch. I, I hear from people all the time how much they love it. And um, it, it he combines his love of wine okay, with conversations about Jesus, like unique conversation about Jesus, creating a safe environment where anybody can come and share no matter your belief, no matter how long, even if you believe in Jesus or how long you've been following Jesus. It's a place to like have these conversations like what about this or how do you feel about this or what do i think and so i've been i've been it's just fun to see him kind of in his element so welcome to our show that was a really long introduction yeah
3: i'd say i think that was so good (laughs) keep going just keep going i like it tell me
2: more about me right yeah yeah, shut up so Lisa can talk yeah your
3: mom's talking (laughs) Jonathan, not now (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so let's go back, because I want to make sure we have time for this. But let's go back to Communion Wine Co. Yeah. Because people, when they hear about it, I will even have people go, I heard about your something. I love wine. I love Jesus. I never thought of putting them together. So how did this start?
3: So I stepped away from full-time ministry, and that was a few years ago. And basically, it was after a tough season of... Feeling like the things I wanted to discuss in the church context, mm-hmm. not all of our church was as interested in discussing with me. And I was the lead pastor at the time, which put me in an awkward dilemma of these are the things I felt like we got to talk mm-hmm. about. And, you know, sometimes a church setting is more formal and there's kind of expectations and, you know, and so that, that didn't necessarily fit. So out of that, it was like, all right, do I go back in, try it again in a different context? Or do I re, you know, redream that? And in a conversation with my wife, Michelle, she's very entrepreneurial. Uh, you know, she's like, you need to, you need to just dream big and I can be a little snarky and sarcastic. So I'm like, all right, here's what I want to do. I want to do something with wine. Cause I, you know, moved to Oregon and fell in love with Oregon wine country, mm-hmm. uh, talking about Jesus, which I love to do. And if it can involve the Pacific Northwest, that would be awesome. Cause I, that's like my, you know, my holy land. I love that yeah. place. And i'm like what is that you know kind of like sarcastically And <laughs> she's like i don't know let's let's figure it out and then that became what we have called Communion wine Co., which is also her her name and we basically we exist to gather people together around wine to experience jesus in new ways hmm. and that has allowed us to have conversations that are often tricky to have in more traditional church settings but when you are in a vineyard or you are in a wine bar Not as many regulations of hey, you can't ask this question or say this thing, and so people lower their guard a bit. Mm -hmm. And it's also a welcoming environment for some people that you know may go, hey, I'm I'm not ready for church, maybe someday, or I you know I had a bad experience or whatever, but this feels more neutral. Let's open that up. Mm -hmm. So we had realized even when I was in ministry in Oregon, you know, we we would take couples out on like a Saturday from our church, and we'd go out to to do a wine tasting at a at a vineyard. And we'd have incredible conversations with them. And then the next day we'd be at church and I'm like, these don't seem like the same level of Mm -hmm. (laughs) conversations. And it was something about when you get people away from sometimes the norm that you can have those conversations. So we just, we capitalize on that. And some people don't like that and don't think that wine should be used in that way. But I think, hey, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. (laughs) Sounds good to me.
2: (laughs) What I love because he created these experiences where they take people for like two or three days,
1: really, and yeah.
2: immerse them and learning about wine, but even the correlation of wine and the vines and and with Jesus. And can I interrupt you? You just had a story. You just you just preached at a church yeah. oh. recently, and and you used that passage from John 15.
3: So I I was I was guest speaking at a church, and the passage they gave me, so I didn't choose this, was John 15, which if you're familiar, is Jesus using imagery of how to connect with him all in terms of the vine. And I'm like, wow, this this is obviously one of my favorite passages. And so I asked the pastor, I'm like, are you okay if I tell a little bit of my own journey with wine and what I've learned from it? And like, that might be a little uncomfortable. He's like, oh, go for it. (laughs) So I'm like, okay. So I literally, I'm showing photos of vineyards in Oregon and vineyards in Mm -hmm. France and things that I've learned about vines and all this and explaining this. In this message, which, again, I think is very contextual to understanding sure. the point Jesus was making, the more you understand wine, the more you understand it. So I get done with this. And I, I mean, it is wine making heavy into this explanation. And this guy comes up to me afterward, and he just has this this look on his face, like, something profound just happened to you. I'm about to get a story. And you can just tell, right. tell that in someone's face. Right. And, uh, and long story short, he tells me uh, he is his first time in an American church ever, mm. ever in his life. This guy's probably in his late 40s, 50s maybe. And he's, he's French, and he works full time in the wine industry. Oh, my goodness. In France. So he's never been to a, uh, a Protestant church in America. Mm-hmm. He gets invited in. He's here for one week. And his friends invite him, and he go. he has no idea what to expect, and he says, and then you you, you start explaining Jesus in terms that I understand, mm-hmm. and you start showing French vineyards, and he goes, I, I, I spend my career in French vineyards. And, I mean, and wow. it, it, he just looked shaken, and it was one of those, I, and I said to him, I'm like, I kind of think this whole day was just for you. Like, I, you know, I'm not to right. neglect everybody else that sure. was in church that day, but i Jesus kind of can sometimes do elaborate right things, and I'm like, I kind of feel like this whole day was for you, and like I happened to be a guest speaker, this happened to be the passage, you happened to try church for the first time in your life, you know, right. All of this just happens to you know, and this guy, I mean, was just like tears in his eyes. Wow, He's like I need to, I need to think about this. I need to reconsider right. this Jesus you talked about, mm. and it was it was wild. And so I, you know, I was telling her, I'm like, when something like that happens, you just walk away, and you're going. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. Like yeah. that's
1: that's unique. I often like think like a, what a church celebrates is what it really believes. And so oftentimes like I've I also came up with a very strict like church background and you know and you getting drunk was considered one of the great sins. Mm-hmm. You know, greed no problem, but right. <laughs> getting right, drunk, right. don't get drunk. Right. <laughs> and um and you know there's really strong prob and and they would celebrate maybe someone gave up alcohol and now they're with Christ like yeah, that yeah. was the story well those are your options right that was it but then you never heard the story of i was raised with like what well, that people are bound by the, and they see Jesus and the kingdom in such a rule-based mm-hmm. the legalism yes. that's out there and they they're, they 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 stay away from Christ because they see the rule book so front and center based yeah. on like like wine or modesty you know clothing or something they put really strong things like these are what Christians absolutely need to avoid so i'm i'm that encourages my heart deeply because that's the celebration that we should have as in freedom in Christ yep. that God made something delicious and beautiful and meta- and uses as metaphors for a reason <laughs> and not just well it should be avoided for especially if you're a, a mature Christian.
3: Well, and what's funny is we we do get a little bit of pushback occasionally from really? you know from a conservative Christian sure. that will reach out to let me know I'm going to hell because really? this this is absolutely <laughs> yeah. not, not there's no room for this, you know. And I'll just lovingly, you know, sure engage like, well I tend to see this differently than you and this and that. And, you know, recently I had someone uh, argue because whenever anything goes well with what we're doing, you know, and, or like, hey, and I'll tell this story. Or, hey, we had this many people come to this event and we had this kind of, you know, well, well hold on. Like they instantly want to neuter any results right. because like you're doing it the wrong way. So it's like, you, you know, that there's an issue yeah. there. And it's just always funny to me. It's like, well, you know, like all your hesitations aren't what you actually find in the scriptures. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty well versed in them. And like, you right. want if you want to discuss them, and people, okay, yeah, you know, wine's bad and this and that. And it's like, okay, you know, like the first miracle. Like if you really break down John, John two, it will make almost every single Christian uncomfortable if you break it down, yeah, into like let's let's literally look at what Jesus did. And then the point of that story wasn't like, wow, they all thought Jesus had cool powers, or wow, they yeah. all thought alcohol was great. The point of the story is it says, John says that Jesus revealed his glory. In that. <laughs> like, wow. that is how yeah. the first time in John's gospel, which I think is one of the more profound ones written later than the other three of, you know, hey, we've had some time to, to let this thing right. age. And John says this is how Jesus revealed his glory. And, you know, punchline of that story is they ran out of all the wine. They expected to be drunk at a party, right. which means – that's a rager of a party. Yeah, <laughs> right. You already get through every bottle, right? right? And then Jesus makes it. And if you look at the text, there's enough details there to figure out how much wine he made. Any guesses, Jonathan? I have no idea. 900 bottles of wine is the math. <laughs> is the wow. math. Okay, mass. okay. When's the last time you went to a party, a wedding, a gathering, anything? 900. And 900 bottles were what they brought out after everybody drank what was allotted for the party.
2: That's why, <laughs> that and that's it.
3: And it. You know, that's in the text. You can go right. John two if, if if anyone's bothered by that. That's that's literally in the text. Yeah, and that's why. I just, it just, it's so funny to me. If we want these these clean lines around Jesus that make yeah. us feel good. Right. It, it, Jesus is just, he's bigger than that mm. and more mysterious than that, and he just does things that you go, what do we do with that? And I'm not saying you know that if you're an alcoholic, don't drink mm-hmm. wine. Absolutely, we don't. Right. We, we wouldn't encourage that. Sure. But to say, you know, that if I can't drink it or it's not good for me, that some, somehow everybody's, you know, often yeah. is is a pretty immature view in my in my opinion.
1: And, and there's so many benefits. Like in, in in many contexts, that 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 creates a sense of humanity sure. and joy that you, and connection that just aren't going to happen. Like you said, you know, people won't talk about certain things at
3: church, but well, they there's will. There's a Latin phrase mm-hmm. that says "in vino veritas." In vi- <laughs> Which okay. means in wine, there is There's truth. truth. <laughs> and there is something to that. Mm-hmm. You you get someone a round of glass of wine and, you know, sharing a bottle together. And the conversation is notably different yeah. than if you're sitting next to them in a church pew. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to choose one or the other. I'm just saying we already have plenty of church pews. Right. Let's let's create more options for people that may, that may not work for them. Right. And that's really what we're trying to do.
2: So what is something uh, – because I've been in the environment and it's very informal and people just feel safe. That's mm-hmm. a word I would say, safe to just like wrestle with Jesus because we come from – I think I was even raised and discovered a Christianity that was more certain. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much uncertainty, right? The mystery. We've, mm-hmm. We have kind of eliminated the mystery of God. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things that have stood out to you in the conversations and the people that have come – in this pace because it 's a sacred space in a, in a different way, sure, right, so what are some things that you have discovered that you maybe didn 't see coming or that has brought joy to what you 're doing
3: so one of the contrasts i 've noticed being a lead pastor, having that experience, and then going to do this when i when I was a lead pastor i I found myself as the the final voice, if you will of what are the boundaries of this community. Mm-hmm. And the way that works practically in a church is you can go to almost any church's website and you'll find some page of what we believe. Right, And depending on the church, that's gonna be either short and bullet points or it will be paragraphs and you'll have to scroll for a while to get all right. of it. And you, know, and you can find out a lot about the kind of church you're looking at based on the what we believe page and that really becomes the the way that that community is is going to gatekeep in real time. Mm-hmm. The challenge of that is anyone who comes in and says I'm interested in this community but I have a problem with point 2 or point 3 or I don't fit point 4 suddenly now realizes hey I don't even know if these conversations are safe. I don't know if I can explore them yeah. or hey I used to believe these and now I'm kind of doubting number 7, you know, all of a sudden now there's a lot your whole membership in the community is at stake. Contrast that with when we're at these gatherings, and one of the jokes I often have is, at Community Wine Co., you can look all over our website. We have no statement of beliefs. Right. There, there is no, what is what is Community Wine Co. stance on this or that? We don't have one. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that we don't have one. Because what it has freed me to do is I don't have to gatekeep anyone. I don't, I'm not the arbiter of anything. I'm just gonna invite you to experience Jesus mm-hmm. and whatever that does for right. you is gonna be awesome and I'm gonna encourage that. Now, again, that's different than what a traditional church setting has to do. But what I have found is there's tremendous freedom in that for people where they go, hey, I can come in knowing I may not agree on this or that, but, but it's okay. And there, there is, there's no expectation on we have mm-hmm. to fit into anything for us to be welcome here. And so what's really fun is that when someone comes to one of our gatherings, usually they have something in their mind of who they expect to be there. And I don't know, you know, for each person what that is, um, but we, we get a range of, you know, we will have lead pastors that will attend that regularly. And they're usually there as like, hey, this is like a chance for me to get built up and just sit and soak this in. Uh, all the way to people who will say, I don't like to be called a Christian anymore. I just want to be with Jesus. So, you you know, or Mm -hmm. someone is like, I got dragged here. I like wine. I don't know what any of this is. I mean, all of that. And then we have this gathering. Well, that's really hard to do in real time when you have that diverse of a, you know, viewpoint. But it just works. And when when you don't have those, there's no gate. There's no fence. It's just we're here to experience Jesus. That's Mm -hmm. literally only if you're okay with wine and Jesus you're 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 welcome you know mm-hmm. and then now it's even got to the point where there are people that that come and don't drink but they just want <laughs> the conversation right and that's kind of been a newer thing that I'm like okay that's an interesting twist like they literally sign up pay for their wine tasting and then they are no I I'm good I don't like wine I just want to I just want to be a part of the conversation. And you
2: serve sparkling cider or something, right? <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, the wine bar does not even offer sparkling that's cider. Right. So we say, that's "Here's right. a glass of water." Sorry, yeah. we, you know that's all we have. But <laughs> but it's just wild to me because it's like there is something there of, you know, where do you really get to wrestle with questions? Right. And the problem is, in in some communities, if you know, hey, if I if I change my view on this, I'm outside the community. That makes it really hard mm-hmm. to truly dive into a topic.
1: I'm just gonna throw something bold and down. Are you ready for this? Uh oh. I'm going to say that you can have more of a ministry in a wine bar than in a church for in most contexts. And that's a bold statement. Wow! And here's Jonathan. why I'm going to say that. Here's why: the majority of the ministry of Jesus was dialogue. The majority of pastoral ministry in churches is monologue. Correct. There's not. You're just talking about human, real dialogue. Yep. Now look at our culture. Who are the people that often we lift up who are really making a difference in our culture? They're usually people who are out there are debating. Mm-hmm. They're they're being challenged. they you know we oh Ben Shapiro or you know Jordan Peterson or something like that. They're out there. They're getting dialogue against their and challenge their ideas. But we have these common pastoral positions where they're insulated. Sure, they come up you know coming down from the mountain, give the word of the Lord on Sunday, step back into their you know committees and their their their, their you know study. And they don't have those. They aren't challenged. They're not engaged. But you're actually engaging people all the time.
3: So i just going to throw that out there. Well, and to that point.
2: <laughs> did you just let it drop I did, and Did not drop the mic?
3: <laughs> to that point. Uh-huh. One, so what we do is we have a and a that we do. So I usually will will prime the pump with, yeah. with a conversation. I'll start, you know, I'll share something. And then we'll do Q&A where people yeah. on their phones will write in and we'll in- in- engage. Yeah. So this last one, I ne- and I never know where it's going to go because, it, again, it's not a monologue. And mm-hmm. I, I just I just start it, and then it ends up. One of the last ones we had that was probably one of the most profound ones we've had yet, uh, someone started asking about purity culture.
2: Mm. And they said, hey,
3: I'm really wrestling with this. And they were asking me, like, you know, we have five kids. Are you t- are you raising your kids in purity culture? And I said, no, we're not. And, we're you know, here's how we're wrestling with this. This opened up a can of worms in the most beautiful of ways yeah. where – All sorts of people started sharing, I mean, raw, intimate details of their sexual lives to a a room of strangers and how they were raised and what they Mm -hmm. were taught in the church and this and that and how they've worked through it and where that has served them well, where it has not served them well. And it was so holy just listening to this conversation and then, you know. Everybody's probably in their primarily 30s, 40s-ish in in the conversation. At the very end of this, we get someone who's, I I think, 60s, 70s, this couple that that has just been listening to this. And at the very end of it, they said, we just got to say, we're sorry on behalf of our generation Mm -hmm. that we put this on you. And we had no idea. Yeah, Listening to you guys share this. And then it it was one of the most healing, intergenerational and it's it, just because people are listening and sharing right. and talking and saying, yeah, this hurt and this was hard. And I don't, you know, and I just sat back and I'm like, I, I didn't orchestrate this. Right. I just opened the door, created an environment, and then Jesus shows up. And to, you know, your point, Jonathan, this is church. Yeah. And, and this is holy. This is sacred. And I, I walked away from that now going, I was uncomfortable at times because, I, you know, it was so out of like, I don't, I'm not controlling this. I don't know what's about to get shared. And I was shocked of what people were sharing, yeah, but it was so beautiful yeah
2: well it's also you've you've created a like you said a safe place where people can bring their questions, mm-hmm. can share the real and the raw right and it's it's kind of like peacemaking and they, and yet they don't all agree absolutely right? and and you're not asking people to agree with you or with each other, but like let's just throw it out there, like throwing the soccer ball out there and see where it goes, right? And so that's what's beautiful, that, but that's peacemaking. That's mm-hmm. what we're trying to—the Yeah. The whole counterculture. How do we create places where it's okay to disagree but still love each other and have respectful dialogue?
3: Well, one of the things I say often is there is no right theology, and at the end of the day, I'm not trying to get anyone to believe any certain thing. But I do say this, good theology on any subject, whether it be— you know, sexuality, end times, hell, whatever. Good theology is theology that looks like Jesus. And so, I always encourage people: if your theology looks like the person of Jesus as revealed in the Gospels, then then you probably are on the right track. If your theo- theological answer on anything doesn't look like Jesus, you got more work to do. <laughs> I love it, and I,
1: I'm so mad now. I'm uh, here's why I'm so mad: we I didn't get any dirt on Lisa in the entire in this entire show, and we ran out of time. So you're going to have to come back, and I'm just going to take 10 minutes. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, you think you can get all the dirt in 10 minutes? I, oh, well, my gosh. I, can I hear because you Because I guys. like her. I'm and sitting I don't in want the room. Okay. I hear you. <laughs> How do the people learn more about what you're doing in the last Commun- few seconds? CommunionWineCo.com. Communionwineco. Great conversation. Uh, thank you so much. The dialogue is Absolutely. a holy place. You're in a holy work. Thank you for your time. Thanks Love for your having ministry. me, guys. God bless. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Amplify Peace, educating, immersing, training and launching peacemakers to build united communities.